My Hockey Hero is proudly supported by eBay Canada. My name is Dean. Ever since I was a kid, I collected hockey cards with spare change my dad gave me. As a black person, to see others like me on the ice inspired me. I didn't see myself as a black hockey player. I saw myself as a hockey player. They were my role models and showed me hockey is a game for everyone. When you're on a hockey card, it's, it's pretty cool. I've collected 100 rookie cards for NHL's black and biracial players, and I'm going to talk to all of them so you can learn their stories. On January 18, 1958, a 22-year-old winger from Fredericton, New Brunswick, was called up to play in his first NHL game for the Bruins in Montreal. That night, Willie O'Ree became the first black player in NHL history. You know, I can't really uh, explain how I how I felt when I first saw the car. I had this uh, just joyful feeling within myself. Willie was born in 1935. He grew up in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and his community had very little diversity. It was a two-story home, 245 Charlotte Street, and um, there were only two uh, uh, black families living um, in the city of Fredericton. On, on the outskirts, there were uh, many black families, but the, the Lawrence family, who lived at 212 Charlotte Street, and the Array family uh, lived at 245 on the, on the same street. Growing up, it was um, it was fun. I had ninety five percent of uh, my friends were 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 white, um, and uh, but I I had no problems. I mean, you know, we played baseball and I played I played street hockey and uh, played um, uh, volleyball and basketball in high school, and I just had a great time. My my parents, uh, my mom and dad were were very. Um, I'm uh, very concerned about uh, about my career and um, and my education, but uh, I just took it a day at a time. Willie's parents encouraged his passion with a homemade rink and wooden skates. We had a pretty good sized backyard, and uh, my dad would scrape it and then uh, flood it, and you had an instant rink. And uh, I remember I remember skating uh, with the two blocks and the Two, two blades of, um, of uh, steel that I strapped on, you know, on the bottom of my feet. It was later on, you know, when I, when I, my fifth year that uh, I got into a regular, very regular skates. Willie and his family would crowd around the radio every Saturday night to listen to Hockey Night in Canada. Oh, it was great. Saturday night, Foster Hewitt uh, with the who was the announcer with, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and uh, uh, the whole family was uh, was glued to the radio and um, and listening to the uh, to the broadcast. I, I was a Montreal fan, you know, growing up. Um, in fact, my my whole family, my sister, my brothers, were all Montreal fans. Uh, I didn't become a, a Bruins fan until I went to their training camp in in, in 19, 1957. Um, I became I became a a, a and still am. But hockey wasn't Willie's only passion. He was a great baseball player too. This gave him the opportunity to meet an inspirational legend, Jackie Robinson, the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball. I was, I was 14 
and uh, I was playing baseball in my hometown. We won the championship uh, that year. The reward was that our team was going to be taken to New York to um, to see all the uh, tourist attractions, the Radio Music City Hall and Pony Island and the Statue of Liberty and um, and everything. And I, I met Mr. Robinson um, in 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 um, in Boston. Um, met him after the after the game. I went down to the dugouts and shook hands with him. And I told Mr. Robinson that I not only played baseball, but I, I played hockey. And he didn't realize that there were any black kids playing uh, hockey at that time. And I said, yes, Mr. Robinson, there's a few. So um, we talked for another two or three minutes. And then there's other media people there. So I left. And then uh, I'll tell you, what an honor. I mean, uh, and what a, what a beautiful human being. Uh, you know he was uh, very gracious, and uh, you know I was I, I was I was so uh, so happy and, and uh, was overwhelmed. Willie was such a talented baseball player that in 1956, the Milwaukee Braves asked him to attend a training camp in Georgia. As a young black man, he was about to experience segregation in America's deep South. I, I was considered a, a pretty good ball player. I played shortstop and second base, and I had played for the Fredericton Tigers. I got scouted by um, two scouts from the Milwaukee Braves. Mining operations came and invited me to go to Waycross, Georgia, to a training camp. Well, I, I knew and heard about how black people were treated in the South, and I talked to my mom and dad, and they said, no, definitely no, uh, we don't want you to go. To go. Then I talked to my older brother, who was a, my mentor, and he said, well, how do you feel, Willie? How do you feel inside? I said, well, I, I feel like I'd, I'd like to go for the experience. He says, well, then, then go. So I flew into Atlanta and uh, stepped off the plane, uh, walked into the um, Atlanta uh, terminal, and the first thing I saw was white only and colored only signs. So. I went into the colored restroom and I had to stay in Atlanta overnight and uh, they had no um, reservations for me. I contacted a black cab driver uh, out in front of the terminal and I explained my situation. I said, I have to stay here overnight. Could you recommend a hotel? So he took me to an all black neighborhood, nice little um, hotel. I stayed there. Then I got on the bus the next morning and uh, drove to Waycross. It was around a two, two and a half hour. I uh, was assigned a dorm with uh, some other black and players of color. Uh, was issued a uniform. Uh, the next day, started started practicing and started to go through my mind. I don't know what am I doing here. I I, I made the wrong decision. I should have stayed. And, and so the first week went by, and I was still there. And um, on on your dorm, there'd be a, a bulletin board, and if your name appeared on this bulletin board, that means you were going to be sent home. Going into the second week, and then I um, uh, saw my name on the list, and I went in to the office, and they said, Mr. O'Ree, we were, we were impressed with your play. We, we think you need a little more seasoning, so we're going to send you back home. So I got on the bus, and I was five days on the bus, and naturally, blacks had to sit on the back of the bus, so we sat on the back of the bus, and we're rambling up through up to the different states, and as we're getting closer up north, I started moving up in the bus. Um, sat, I was sitting in the, the uh, middle of the bus, and I got up to 
Bangor, Maine, and I'm sitting in the front of the bus, and then uh, two and a half hour drive to my hometown. I arrived in Fredericton, I stepped off the bus and said, Willie, forget about baseball, concentrate on hockey. And that's, that's, when, my, that's when my hockey career started. Back home and focusing only on hockey, Willie's career progressed more and more. You know, I played on, on you know, um, a phantom, and then I played on a midget, a midget team, uh, a juvenile a juvenile team, and then the Freddington Capitals, the um, senior Capitals, who played in, in the York Arena, the, the, uh, the covered arena, asked me to come out and play, so I came out and... Uh, I made the team, and I, I played the two years with the Freddie Capitals before I, I left in 1954 to go up to go back and play my first year junior. I went up and played in, uh, in Quebec with the Quebec Frontenacs. Uh, Phil Watson was the, uh, was the coach. He, he, he played in, with the New York Rangers in the 40s. So I played that year, and then the next year I was traded to the uh, Montreal Canadian organization. And that's when I went to Kitchener, Ontario to play with the Kitchener-Waterloo Junior Canucks. But just as Willie was flying high, tragedy struck. An accident that threatened his entire career. Uh, I was playing uh, uh, with the Kitchener-Waterloo Junior Canucks. And uh, um, an unfortunate accident. Uh, I'm in front of the net for a deflection. Uh, my uh, my defenseman, Ken Douglas, I'll never forget it. Big, burly um, defenseman. Went up and played with the Toronto Maple Leafs later on, but he slapped. He had a wicked slap shot. And he slapped the puck and it ricocheted off a, off a stick. And I'm in front of the net for a deflection. And the puck come up and um, hit me. And, uh, over the right eye, I broke my nose, broke part of my cheek. And I remember dropping down to the ice. The next thing I... I know I'm placed in an ambulance and then taken to uh, taken to the hospital. Um, Dr. Henderson uh, was the surgeon, and I'll never forget what he said um, when I arrived. Uh, when I was in my uh, recovery room, he, he came in and said, "Mr. Ray, I'm sorry to inform you, but the impact of the puck completely shattered the retina in your right eye." And he says, "You're going to be blind, and you won't be able to play hockey again." Well. I kind of slumped back in my hospital bed and the goals and dreams that I had set for myself uh, seemingly were gone. And uh, I remember getting out of the hospital in the next few days and uh, within the next uh, four or five weeks, I'm back, I'm back on the ice skating and practicing. Now, I'm a left-hand shot playing left wing, so to compensate, I had to turn my head all the way around to the right to look over my right shoulder to pick up the puck and the play. And I was over skating the puck and missing the net. And I said, Willie, what's wrong? So I just said, uh, Willie, forget about what you can't see and concentrate on what you can see. So uh, the season ends. I go back to my hometown, Fredericton. Um, when I started back playing, my parents thought that I'd recovered from my injury. But I was totally blind in my right, right eye. But I told my sister, but I said, sis, don't say anything. Because if they find out I'm blind, I won't be able to play pro hockey. So, uh, you know, my, my parents were very, very happy that I was um, I was okay and, re- and, you know, recovered from my injury. But you couldn't tell by looking at my eye. 
Willie wasn't willing to give up and focused on adapting his game. I get a, I get a letter from Punch Amlac, um, the coach of the Quebec Aces, inviting me to training camp. And um, I told my mom and dad, um, I'm going to Quebec, Quebec City to try out for the Quebec Aces. So I go up and I, I try out. And I make the team, but I don't. I I didn't disclose the fact that I couldn't. I couldn't see it on my right eye. I said, if, if I can make the team with one, I just don't say anything. So I played that year, and uh, we won the championship. We won the the Duke of Edinburgh trophy. It's, it's like winning the the Stanley Cup. And I was so happy and so pleased. My first year, my first year pro, I uh, I'm on a championship team. So I go back and spend the uh, spend the summer, and then I came. Uh, Came back to the Quebec Aces, you know, the second year, and then Bruins uh, training camp, and then from then on. But um, yeah, I played uh, played pro uh, 21 years with one eye. A lot of people say, "Well, that's impossible." Well, in a way, it is. But you know, when you set your mind to do something, you know, when you feel you know strongly within your heart and within your mind that you you can do it, then you just go and do it. And then in uh, on January the 18th. Uh, 1958, uh, the Bruins called me up and I went up to Montreal and uh, stepped on the ice of the old Montreal Forum and became the, the first black player to play in the NHL. If you're enjoying My Hockey Hero and thinking about starting your own hockey card collection, I'd suggest you start with eBay. eBay is all about connecting communities and feeling passions. Because of its thriving card collector community, I was able to make my dream come true by collecting the rookie cards of the NHL's black and biracial players. Start your own collection at ebay.ca slash hockey cards. Willie had reached his goal of playing in the NHL. It was uh, January the 1st, 1961. It was in the, uh, uh, the the old Boston Garden. We're playing against the Montreal Canadiens. And we're warming up, and um, Jock Plant was hurt, uh, the uh, Canadians' uh, number one goalie. And um, they had their, uh, Charlie Hodge, they had their backup goalie playing. And as we're warming up, Bronco Horvath, one of my teammates, he says, Willie, he says, if you ever get in on, on Hodge, keep the puck low. He, he's, he's, good. he's weak. Keep it away from his glove. So we're warming up, you know, game starts. I'm on on the ice. This is the uh, third period. Um, I'm playing playing left wing, and uh, I break away from my check, and I'm busting down the left wing. And Leo Voivin, one of the Bruins' uh, top defensemen, just hit me with a perfect pass. I didn't have to break stride or anything. I get the puck, and I go in and go around the two defensemen. Now I go in, and here's Hodge. I see him, so I go in, and I made a... All of a sudden, I could hear... This voice in the back, Willie, low, keep it low, keep it low. So I went and made a, a couple of moves on Hodge, and I, I shot the puck. It was either just off the ice or on the ice, hit the inside of the post, went in. That made it um, 3 1 uh, for, for Boston. And then uh, about uh, five minutes later, uh, Henri, the pocket rocket, uh, scored, uh, made it 3 2. But the goal that I scored became the winning goal, and uh, we beat Canadians 3 2. Now a professional in the NHL, at this level, Willie still experienced racism, but was uplifted by those around him. 
it wasn't as bad in Canada as it was when I came to the United States. You know, uh, I, I knew I was a black player, and especially, you know, playing uh, in the National Hockey League uh, with, the, with the six teams, the original six, you know, Toronto, Toronto and Montreal, and then Chicago, Boston, New York, and Detroit. And um, New York and, and Chicago were, were the worst, where I had the, the most, most problems. Um, the calls from uh, fans, uh, racial remarks from the players on the ice and player and uh, fans in the stands. But I had closed my ears to it. My my brother, thank thanks my thank God for my brother. He said, "Well, you forget about forget about all the races. If people can't accept you for the individual that you are, then don't worry about it. That's their problem." And uh, I fought a lot. I fought because I had to, not because I wanted to. The guys just wanted to see what I was made of. And, they wouldn't drop their stick, so I wouldn't drop mine. They'd drop their gloves, I'd drop mine. And but uh, it took quite a while. But I, I, um, I gained the respect of not only the players on the opposition, but fans in the stands. But it, it took quite a while, and you know, I, I was able to play pro for 21 years. So I was very fortunate, very fortunate to, to play with a, a number of uh, you know, good guys, good hockey players, and. You know, they they accepted me as, as just another player. They, you know, they didn't look at me as a black player or a brown player, just another player. Um, I was I was really blessed to, to have the opportunity to, to play with so many um, good hockey players and and uh, good coaches that uh, that helped me along the way. And uh, again, my older brother. I don't I don't think I would have played as long as I did if it hadn't been for my brother and his confidence in me and the, the things that he taught me and and uh, the things that I um, I learned from playing and uh, I use them in my you know my daily life after his 45 NHL games Willie began a long career in the Meyer leagues You know, when I went to went to New Haven to play uh, with the New Haven Nighthawks, uh, uh, Parker McDonald found out that I wasn't playing in San Diego, and uh, I was practicing but not playing. I wasn't hurt or anything. I just uh, just couldn't get into the lineup. So he had called me three or four times and wanted me to come back and play in the <laughs> in the American Hockey League, and I knew the. The players back there rode the bus for 10, 12, 14 hours. And uh, here in San Diego, we would the only time we'd take a bus is to, to go to the airport and jump on a plane. So I said, yeah. So I said, Parker, I, I really appreciate um, that you want me to come. But um, I'm just going to uh, keep, keep practicing and hopefully get back in the lineup. And he said, well, I mean... Uh, if you're worried about getting on the ice, he says, you'll have all the ice time you want. And so I said, uh, you know, uh, I appreciate it. He says, well, listen, he says, just think about it and I'll give you a call back in a couple of days. So he called me back and uh, after, after thinking about it, I says, okay. So, uh, you know, I come to New Haven and I was treated real well. I mean, uh, ice time, I was, uh, you know, killing penalties and on the power play and, 
and um, I was I was only there, and I was thinking I was when I left San Diego, I was going to stay there and play, and they get into the playoffs, you know, help them uh, in the playoffs. But San Diego got into the playoffs, and uh, Paul Parker said we want a reback. Um, so I, I leave I leave there and come back to San Diego, and we're uh, we're playing. Uh, the Phoenix Roadrunners in the first round, and we uh, we we beat them out, and then we play off against the uh, Portland Buckaroos, and they beat us. They beat us out in seven games. But uh, I had a good time, and uh, I, I think I scored 20, 25 goals when I when I went back there. And just uh, and I thanked Parker and um, thanked the you know had had a good time with the, the players that were playing at that time. After retirement, Willie missed hockey and wanted to get back, but his path there would take a while. When I retired from hockey, I wanted to get get back into hockey in some capacity. I mean, a, do- a door would open, a door would close, a door would open, and I really didn't want to leave San Diego. Uh, my playing days were over, but I still felt that I had something to give back to the game for the amount of years that I played. and. Uh, um, I was hoping I could get back into uh, uh, doing some youth development work. When I retired, I had I had four or five jobs after I retired. I, I worked uh, construction for a buddy of mine who owned a construction company. One of my good friends that I worked with, Mike Gore, uh, his dad was Bill Gore, the, uh, the um, sheriff's department here in San Diego. And Mike and I got along really well. His dad owned a security company. And he said, well, I'm going to work for my dad. He said, I'd like you to come and work as a security officer. I said, well, I don't want to do security. He said, oh, no. He says, you take an exam to the, uh, write an exam to the state of California. And if you pass, then you can work as a security guard. Started there. I was there for 15 years. And then they had a cutback. And then, so I left. And I went on unemployment for about three weeks. And then I get a call from uh, from a buddy of mine, worked over at the Hotel Dell. It's a um, historical um, hotel over in Coronado Island. So I went over there and um, started working there and started on the graveyard shift and then the swing shift and then the day shift. And I was working the day shift and I get a, I get a call um, from the San Diego Gulls saying that uh, – there's a gentleman by the name of Brian McBride uh, called the office, but we didn't uh, think that we should give your phone number up. So gave gave him his phone number, and I uh, I called him and he said, "Oh yeah," he said. Uh, well, he says it's Brian McBride. I'm the newly appointed vice president of the NHL's diversity program that has to do with uh, working with kids and um, helping kids grow in hockey. I says, but I can't, I can't move to New, to New York. He says, no, no, you can work right out of your home in San Diego. So um, it's been 25 years since, uh, you know, I started with the, with the NHL. And it was the NHL diversity program. Now it's the Hockey is Reverend program. This new role allowed Willie to tell his story to a huge audience in the hope of inspiring them. Well, my, my um, basic duties was um, when I was hired was to travel around to the local schools, uh, boys and girls clubs, 
uh, juvenile detention facilities, YMYWCAs, and I, I travel all over North America, you know, uh, speaking at schools, um, you know, and telling boys and girls about, about my experiences and, and uh, never give up. If you, if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you're right. And there's a lot of truth to that. And if you, if you feel strongly within your heart, within your mind that you want to do something, then don't hesitate, then, then do it, because probably you would regret it if you, if you didn't. And it, it worked out good. I was, I was so busy traveling, you know. Um, I'd, be gone, you know I'd be gone for you know, a couple of weeks, traveling around to you know, different cities. Um, I did a lot of uh, hockey clinics uh, over the years. Um, and as you mentioned, I, I just helped a lot of boys and girls set goals for themselves and, and work towards their goals. And um, their school, um, talking about staying in school and, and being, being all that you can be, uh, believing in yourself and goal setting uh, is very important. And it's, uh, and it's true, you know, you, um, I never thought that I'd have so much fun uh, working in a job. And it's, you know, my dad said, will you find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life? And there's, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Find something that you really enjoy doing. If it doesn't seem like a job, I mean, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, whatever. And then you, you wake up for the next day and you, and you know, something, something new is going to happen. And that's basically what, what my life has been. Now aged 87, we want to know how Willie feels about the future of hockey. They're, they're building more rinks now, which gives the, um, the access for these boys and girls, uh, you know, to get on the ice and, and practice and, and, and play. Um, I know that, you know, the clinics that I've, that, that I've conducted, the one, the one thing that I'm, I'm so happy uh, about is that I never had a boy or girl come up to me and say, Oh, Mr. Ree, I, I don't like this. Uh, I'm never coming back. So if you can keep them interested in uh, in playing and helping them set goals for themselves and tell them you know you can be anything you you want to be you know uh, and as I mentioned you know the dog when the doctor told me I I'll never play hockey again because I was blind I just couldn't accept that because first of all he didn't know how I felt inside he didn't know the two goals that I had set for myself and uh, I don't even think he knew you know the type of hockey player I was. I was just a patient of his, and uh, I just said to myself, well, I'm just going to prove this doctor wrong. I'm going to continue playing, and I'm going to set the two goals for myself and work towards work towards them. You know, um, having confidence uh, within yourself is big. You, you, have to, you have to think strong and... and uh, Work hard. There's there's no substitute for hard work. And anybody tells you there is, there is there there's not. You you only get out of the thing what you put into it. You go out and work eighty percent, and uh, um, you should pat yourself on the back. But if you go out and work forty percent and think you should uh, have eighty percent, you've got a problem. Lastly, what advice does he have for young hockey players? The advice I give is to set goals for yourselves. And work towards your goals. And don't let anybody tell you that you can't attain your goal. As I said, um, if you feel strongly within your heart, within your mind, then work at it. 
I don't know what else to tell you. You know, I, I, I'm only going by um, things that I, that I, uh, that I grew up with, and then, and then I just made my mind up what I wanted to do, and uh, I just kept working at it, staying focused, and uh, and working hard. We're proud to be working with Hockey Equality. Hockey Equality is on a mission to create diversity at all levels of the game of hockey by lowering financial barriers for BIPOC female and other equity deserving youth hockey players. If you've been moved by the stories shared on this podcast and want to help make hockey accessible to all, check out hockeyequality.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, but would like to dive deeper, then check out our extended version of this interview at Recognize Black Hockey Heroes of the NHL. You can click on the link in the show notes or find it wherever you get your podcasts. You can see the cards of the players in my collection at blackhockeycards.com. This has been a Podstarter production. production.